Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code SPOTIFY for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Back from the sandstorm of Arizona. Yeah, that's where we were. What song was that? Sandstorm. Oh, Darude. Darude. Darude? Darude. Anyway, this is the CU Podcast, number 131 for Tuesday, August 14th, 2018. That's that's my uh, Padre, my Padre Ian Ferguson. I'm not your dad. <laughs> Was that a term of affection? It's my padre today. Jeez. I'm Pat Contry. On the show, we'll be talking about a soiree of topics like IGN plagiarism, mm. Nintendo cracking down on emulation, Oof. Ninja, the Ninja, won't be streaming with women anytime soon, Bethesda blocking resale of new games, is it NES or NES, and your Q&A, Ian we survived Game One Expo. There was literally a sandstorm that delayed our flight four hours before we were supposed to get back. I'm still recovering from the trip. We had fun though. It was yeah, it was neat. It was a good trip. Um, the sandstorm, not so much, but the convention itself was was fun. Um, saw a lot of nice people. Um, hung out with our friends uh, Andre, Gerard, Alex. Alex. Uh, Saw the lovable, uh, the lovable game chasers. The lovable game chasers. Uh, who else? Who else was there? Um, <laughs> God, I'm so tired. I'm sorry. I'll take the lead on this yeah. one. Ian. Yeah. Thanks to everyone who came out to see us. We did a we did a fine panel. We talked about a couple of topics. One which we'll segue into later on about the uh, the Nintendo emulation thing. Oh boy, people learned a whole lot about my past at that <laughs> at that panel. Oh yes, did they? What was it again? Not t- not bringing it back up. We'll we'll leave all that there. But let's okay. just say the history of my drug use was. Uh, oh well, there you go. Disseminated to about thirty five people. There was more thirty five people at our panel. Yeah, no, that's right. It was like seventy or eighty. Yeah, we saw ourselves short. Now that I think we're lying about. Pat's lying. It was thirty five. No, for, thanks for fucking it up, Ian. No, I'm just trying to pretend that only 35 people heard my story about Doug Stanhope. <laughs> oh, the Doug Stanhope story. Yes. This is why you got to come out to see us. And, and uh, I'll, I'll, I'll pretend Ian's there. I'll be at a few conventions. I'll be at uh, Retro World Expo in Connecticut in, in September, and then a Video Game Con in Jersey, and then Retropalooza Arlington at the end of September. And of course, we'll be both of us will be at Portland Retro Gaming Expo. So if you want to hear Ian talk about drugs, come to Portland Retro Gaming Expo, middle of October. No better state for me to do it in. No better state for you to do it <laughs> Uh, you can you can pre-order a Super Nintendo guidebook at ultimatesnes.com. See the two covers right there? See them? You see them. They're there somewhere in space. <laughs> Save a few bucks before the Kickstarter. You can do that as well. It's like 85% written. And uh, I got a story from Game on Expo. It has to do with my hotel. Mm-hmm. Michael, a little jersey on you here, out there. Be, be forewarned. 
Usually I'm very affable, but I can go Jersey on you. So it was uh, the Friday night. So it was a three-day event. So this is after the first day there. And then I get back. You know, we did our panel. You know, it was, it was a little bit busy day. You know, recovered, came back to the hotel room about 11 o'clock. And uh, 10.45, I think we came back. And then I was in a room where it, it, you can convert it into a suite. You know how they have, like, the double doors that connect the two rooms? Yeah. They're usually locked, but they're open if it's a suite because then you have two different bedrooms. You can walk to and fro. So I, I got ready for bed. Ready? I was really tired. And then I hear next door, through, my, through the double doors, might as well not even have a... Like, there's no wall there, literally. It's like, it's like having nothing. I hear them doing, I guess, rock band. They're singing awfully. Okay? Mm-hmm. And so I'm like, all right, <laughs> this is fine. I hear them literally... Like, you, you can literally hear the, the, the drums hitting. So either, they're, either they were just singing along to a song and hitting it, or they brought their fucking rock band equipment to a convention. For at that's, a hotel room. I think that's uh, that's a thing that's definitely happened before. So I think that that's probably likely. I don't think you're wrong. So I'm reasonable. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna narc you out before midnight, and that goes for my neighborhood or whatever. Like, that's reasonable. I'll, and that's and, and that's usually you know I, usually it's like nine or ten. It's talking about like laws for like sound ordinances. I'll give you till midnight. All right. I'll be nice, Pat. Even though I'm tired, I managed to get to sleep around. I want to say around midnight. I was sleeping well. I was in a dream. I don't remember what it was. I got woken the fuck up at 2.30 a.m. Because those motherfuckers woke me up singing. It was that loud to wake me up. You know when you get so startled? Mm-hmm. like So my mind got used to the normal level of their idiocy. Sure. And then they amped it up at like, I guess, past <laughs> 2 o'clock and woke me up. So now I'm fucking annoyed. Now I'm annoyed. <laughs> and you know what song it was that woke me up? <clears throat> Days go by the waterfall Same as it ever was Yes The Talking Heads classic That doesn't sound good Even when they sing it Because I mean, they're I goofy I love the song but It's a good song But I don't want to hear someone else Sing it at 2.30 yes. in the morning And they're trying to emulate How weird the, the Talking Heads Sing it as well So they sound like fucking dogs Like howling at the moods Sing this at 2.30 in the morning so now, now I'm annoyed. Now it's time to drop a dime. So I call, I call the front desk. I say, listen. And I'm like half asleep. Because I was deeply sleeping. So I'm like, okay, they're, they're making some noise. You know, can you send someone up and say something? So I don't think that's going to take care of the issue here. They send someone up. And I can hear the whole conversation. I remember, this is, there's no wall here. So it's not muffled. Yeah. It's two, two fucking doors that are back to back. That should have been like, like that was two doors with that motorcycle going back. So I hear I hear the door knock like they don't answer like for two knocks because they're they're so fucking loud and probably slightly drunk. And then I hear the door open. It sounds like a, it, it turns out I'll, t- I'll get to it later. It was a nice nice woman security, not the head of security. Just nice. She's like, hey guys, she was she was like, hey guys, you know, there's been a complaint. Can you guys please keep it down? They're like, oh yeah, sure, sure. One of the assholes in the room. It's been like three or four of them. Says fuck you to this nice woman. Who at two thirty in the morning has to has to go up and deal with you motherfuckers <sighs> going Jersey on you, and of course they probably said it as she was leaving, and then I hear them say, "This is an expo." I'm like what the fuck, man? Okay. Oh God. Being at an expo, I understand if your life is so fucking worthless, 
and so bereft of fun that you think you have to let it all hang out at a at your in your hotel room doing fucking rock band at two thirty in the morning. Why don't you just for a second realize that other people are in that hotel room? Nice families, nice business people, and yes, maybe a guest at the convention that you were at, asshole, that has to try to be you know put on a smile for everyone, which I want to. But now I'm being deprived of sleep, and now Ian's got to deal with Grumpy Pat the next day potentially. We're all at risk with Grumpy Pat. All sure, at risk. We are. So everyone. No so, one's safe. No one is safe hide right your now. Kids. Hide your kids. Hide your wives. So within 35 seconds, because I was listening. I was like, okay, let's see what these people actually do. They started up again. Not even at a lower volume. They don't fucking care. So I give it like the end of their fucking same as it ever was song. And I call again. And I say, listen, they're not stopping. I want a new room. And they were, and, and, and the Hyatt Regency, you were awesome. Because you said, no problem. We're going to bring you up two new key cards. Do you need help with your luggage? I said, no help with the luggage. Just give me the key cards and it's fine. Was this first night? This was Friday night. Friday so night. We got there okay. Thursday and it's Friday night. So they came up. It was the same nice nice security woman. She apologized. I said, and it's great that when you're having to pack at 2.40 in the morning, half asleep. Like, pack all your fucking toiletries up. Throw your fucking underwear in your bag. Throw your lap. I had to do all that and, like, stumble up to the 20th floor. <laughs> <laughs> so they said they were they were nice, but you motherfuckers, I was so close to coming down the next morning and seeing your goddamn faces and narking out to the expo people to throw your asses out. I'm sorry for the rest of the people if you're getting scared right now. That's how annoyed I was. I really hope you're listening. I, I hope you're listening to the, the podcast. Know that Pat narked your asses out, and now I know what you sound like singing that fucking song. You're not safe. They sent the head of security. They said they sent the head of security. So hopefully that put an end to it for anyone else on the floor that was bothered by your fucking singing. So anyway, Ian, that was my uh, that was my Friday night. But we had fun otherwise. Yeah, I met a record holder for a game I really like. Oh, okay. And uh, I'm sure, it was a pleasant experience. No, no, it wasn't. It was a disastrous. Not going to name names or game right now. This happened, I think, Saturday night you told me later. I somehow missed... I, yep. miss, I miss all of Ian's confrontations, and it's not on purpose. I'm not a coward. I somehow don't miss when, when someone either bothers Ian or harasses Ian. And somehow I'm, like, nearby. He, yeah, but, he was only, like, 15 feet away. But somehow I'm, like, not <laughs> noticing it. Not that Ian needs to, like... No. Ian can handle himself, but... I'd like to be there for you when this stuff happens. I take so much less bullshit these days than I ever used to. But anyway, so someone was was just this, being, this, being a, this person a tryhard. This person was being a real dick. Uh, this person is also like in their late forties. I would say easy. And they have. They, you said they hold a. They, they hold, hold a record for a game I like. I'm not going to say which is, one. Is, can you say if it's arcade or console? It's arcade. It's an arcade. Then game. I'm not surprised. Uh, late forties is like the youngest you'd be to care about that shit. Or or early fifties. But it's a more modern. It's a, it's it's, a, it's like a '90s arcade game. Oh, okay, it's like a late '90s right. arcade. Do your game. detective work out there. See who this is. <laughs> now down to a person's 3, an asshole. Years. They were uh, saying a lot of shit, and they just started spouting a bunch of homophobic, racist, sexist shit. And uh, for no reason, just to, just to try uh, to be cool. Uh, and it, it seemed like it. They were yeah, they, like it. Just it was push the envelope yeah, in the conversation. Th- yeah, exactly. And uh, among one of the things they said in this rapid fire thing, uh, this was that they wanted to beat the shit out of this one dude's girlfriend because they were bumping into him at uh, you know Cobra Arcade Bar, 
um, when he was trying to do a thing on a machine there. Oh, now we're getting closer with the clues of who this person might be. And, um, yeah, I was not, uh, I, I just, I finally flipped. And, uh, anyways, long story short, I am currently sourcing one of these boards and <laughs> sourcing a super gun so I can demolish this high score. So, Ian, it's a game I really like. You're going to get revenge on this individual by spending money, spending time to buy a, an arcade board. Yep. I think you said a super gun in order to plug it into. Yep. Hook it up to a TV to demolish a record just so you can show this asshole you don't like. That's uh, the type of vindictiveness that, that drives you, Ian. Yeah. That's what I want to see more of. Yeah. Get you through life, your successes. Because it means so much to this person. Yes. It means so much to this I, person. I hope that's the same. I hope there was a person next to me. I hope you... I, I, it, it probably was. <laughs> probably the same fucking rock band people. So, so stay tuned. So that's not all we got out of the weekend was us trying to get revenge in some way on people that, that wronged us. I wasn't. We had fun. <laughs> that game on Expo. We had a great time. Thanks for coming out to the panel. Thanks for looking at a certain uh, Super Nintendo. Uh, it's not Super Nintendo. It's not there yet. Any certain NES guy book. Well, we made right. it through the heat. We did. It was about 12 degrees cooler this year. So it topped out like 103 instead of like 115 last year. <laughs> yep. We had some good tacos, some good nachos. Had some good tacos. At Willie's Tacos yep. down the street. That was good. Crushed that pizza with the salami on it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. We had a good. Was, that oh, fucking sausage was good. First of all, Phoenix residents, I understand for you it's good pizza. It's not the best pizza in the U.S. I, I heard murmurs about that. Maybe the best for Phoenix, not for the U.S. Look, I, I, it's I, not a pizza. That knows the, first of all, it's not a pizza. That knows no, no tomato sauce. That doesn't qualify as a pizza. It's a flatbread. It's still good, but it's not really pizza. I mean, I, I would argue... It was here. delicious, though. What all was all, all I'm going to say is... Uh, I don't know. It was good. It was good. I, what I'll say here is that if you're looking at pizza and then, like, wood-fired fancy artisanal pizzas, you're... It was an artisan-style pizza. It, yeah. It's They're different. They're, they're different. Yeah, but you, you housed it. I ate one and a half almost. Yeah, they were so good. I ate more this past weekend than I usually do. It was it was weird to see Hangry Ian for oh, the first time. Oh, I was time. so hungry you were, in a you long were, time. You were how I get sometimes. Oh, I like, Pat, you're like, Pat, let's go now. I'm like, Ian, <laughs> let me relax. Andre's talking to a couple of fans. <laughs> Sunday? Sunday? You were bad. Sunday was you were bad. Or, you were ornery with me the whole fucking no, weekend. No, I wasn't. You, you, you did when? when? Yeah, I wasn't ornery. At the I, pizza place you were ornery with me? Remember? No. <laughs> okay. We'll leave it at that. I wasn't ornery. I was, in, I was in fairly decent spirits the whole weekend, but s Sunday I was very, very hungry, and right. it was very slow Sunday, and we started breaking down earlier than we probably should have, but there was just it was it was trickling out, so we started breaking down. I you think mentally, we had a flight to catch too, but yeah, yeah. But we started breaking down. I think what two thirty three. We started, I think, just slowly pulling stuff off earlier, and that got me in the mode to be like, okay, we're we're out of here. And we were going to leave at, like, 4, and we had everything cleared off by, like, 3 or 3.30, and I just had food in my mind, and it was like, well, we can sit here, or we can sit at the airport eating. And I just finally threw my hands up, and I was just, I, I was ready to go eat. Then it was the quest at the airport to find a place to eat. Yes. And, 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 and so the Arizona airport has, like, four terminals that are all connected via, like, these fucking half-a-mile-long, tr like, treadmill conveyors. And not treadmill, conveyor, conveyor belt, like Jetsons. But I was dragging ass at that point. I was so tired because I hadn't eaten yet all day. and was like 4.30. And we went back and forth three times different terminals to find a place to eat. And we found a nice taco place, the same place we went to last year. But anyway, that was our weekend. Yep. Again, if you were the people singing uh, Rock Band, I hope you die. Nicest way I can say that. <laughs>
All right. Get hit by a bus. So, Ian, this is a game journalism topic that I want you to take the lead on here about it happened with IGN. Okay. So, um, IGN writer Philip Mewson was uh, unceremoniously shit-canned last week. Um, I hate the term shit can't a lot. After. <laughs> I do too. It's, it's not a, used enough. It's, no, it's a fantastic term. <laughs> um, after it was revealed that he plagiarized his review for Dead Cells on the Nintendo Switch. And he was also on the uh, IG Nintendo podcast. He was one of the, those folks. He was, a, he was a Nintendo editor. He was a YouTuber that was hired, I believe, earlier this year to come on to do uh, this work. Correct. What had happened was um, Dead Cells was a highly anticipated Switch game. Uh, well, also for PS4, I believe Xbox One. It had been on Steam in early access for quite some time. It's a Metroidvania with some rogue elements, um, some procedurally generated stuff, how the uh, world gets put together. Uh, it's supposed to be very difficult. Um, like I said, highly anticipated, a lot of hype going into it from the early access stuff. People were very much enjoying it. And a smaller YouTuber, uh, YouTube channel, uh, it goes by Boomstick Gaming, had put out a review. Um, flash forward, uh, IGM puts out its review. Philip Mewson puts out his review. And, it's, and when IGM do these, does his reviews, they usually have the written portion, but it's the same read out in the video part. That's usually how IGN does a lot of these okay. reviews, the video reviews. So after the IGN video review, or after the IGN review comes out, uh, people start noticing similarities between uh, the Philip Mewson review. Well, Boomstick noticed it. Yeah, Boomstick. Well, yes. <laughs> Boomstick did a video about it. Right. Um, and other people started corroborating that, and basically... Uh, Boop Six video was called. Sorry, Ajian copied my Dead Cells review. What do I do? And he did start tweeting people out there. I did see him tweet right. other people. And um, basically, it got back to IGN, and IGN, to their credit, uh, immediately um, removed the t uh, Dead Cells video and uh, began investigating the similarities and looked into it. Um. Later that night, uh, they let go of Philip Mewson and in a statement said um, that they were going to re-review Dead Cells and said, we apologize to our readers, developer Motion Twin, and most especially the YouTuber known under Boomstick Gaming for failing to uphold these standards. So that's where it had initially sort of left off. Yeah, so obviously plagiarism is a serious issue. It's a huge issue. In, it's in theft. It, it's it's mind theft in a way, if you want to call it that. Yes. It's cheating, but it's it's worse, especially when you have someone who's now salaried at IGN taking the hard work of a smaller, very small, in comparison to other channels, a small YouTuber that's working hard and doing the work, and you have someone then just lift it. And it's for those who don't know, plagiarism isn't just using the same exact sentences. If you take the structure... And it, it's, it's the same exact structure as someone else's review. That's plagiarism. Right. If you switch around words and change the paraphrasing, that's that's still play, plagiarism. Right. Because you're taking still someone's work, and you're just putting a little your own little p p 
pastiche on it, if you will. That's not enough. It's not your own work. It's not original. So before everyone says it's not plagiarism, which I, I almost only a couple of weirdos say that. It's like this is 99% saying this guy plagiarized. Oh, yes. And it turned out this wasn't the only one they found, but I'll get into that. Yep. Because good old Philip Mewson. Try not, I'm not going to try to disparage him personally, but you take a look at him like, okay, yeah, I see it. So he does a response video. This is now. This is someone who was hired as for his for his journalism. You know, hopefully chops. They they take a chance on a YouTuber, which is another issue I'll get into. He does this work, and then he puts out a response video like a YouTuber. He doesn't respond as a, like a journalist or you know a, a game reviewer. He responds as his YouTuber persona facing the camera. He does, and and he took down Philip took down this response video about. 24 hours after it went up because it was terrible and I'll get into why it was terrible I'm gonna, and, and being that he also did take down he did takedowns on, on YouTube of people who re-uploaded it I have to go from memory about what's in there so I apologize if I mischaracterize this but there's three things I told Ian a few days ago after I saw that that mm-hmm. were bad so he does a response video and you know he's talking to the camera he's got I guess which is now um the trademark of YouTubers, you have the soundproofing foam behind you, which I thought about doing, but actually because I need to soundproof this room at some point. It's a slight echo. But he 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 goes, <sighs> he sighs like, oh, this is going to be tough for me to say. And he does about a five-minute, you want to say it's an apology. He never apologized to Boomstick Gaming. He said, you know, Boomstick Gaming, you're cool. I like what you do. Never apologizes. Never owned up to the plagiarism. Never actually said, I plagiarized. Right. He says, I take full responsibility, but never he says what he takes full responsibility for doing. He then proceeds in this video to throw Jason Schreier of Kotaku under the bus, a guy who reported on this, saying that Jason was doing it for clickbait. This is a big story. This is one of the bigger stories you'll see in the past couple years when it comes to gaming websites and journalism. Having someone who's not just a writer, but like an editor on IGN plagiarized blatantly. Like, this is big news. This is not something that, oh, why are they they reporting on this? This is something that you should be reporting on. And I feel bad for IGN, and I'll get into why again. So besides calling out Jason and Kotaku for, for writing a story that is newsworthy, absolutely, he then talks about how other people do reviews the same way he does, which they don't. And he claims that the way he did reviews was by watching and reading other people's work before he did his own. Which and is he said that, horseshit. And absolutely. So point number two, that was garbage. He was implying heavily that that's how the work got done in IGN. So I saw IGN writers and editors have to respond saying, no, 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 that's not how we do things at IGN. Like, they're careful to not even talk to uh, Yeah, they say, like, we don't allow people that are reviewing the same thing within our organization to talk to each other before they get it down on paper. Which like, with- seems to be reasonable. I mean, that, that's common, that's reasonable. That's, you know, for instance, like, when I want to play a game real bad, I, I often don't look at opinions and things either. You don't, especially, so when you take that into a professional consideration, you really don't want to, you don't want your expectations to be tainted you don't want to be falsely puffed up but you also you, want, you don't want you also, to take ideas from someone even subconsciously to, right you don't want to take any ideas from someone but you also need to go in for other practical reasons you don't want to go in with any preconceived notions you don't want to read a bunch of positive reviews and feel like you have to like it so there's a billion reasons why you don't want to 
read into other reviews. You don't want to pick up specific turns of phrase. Yeah, absolutely. And this is, well, this is beyond picking up. Oh, this, is, this was lifting. Well, yeah. no, obviously I'm saying that, but like, just even as a person who wouldn't, as a reviewer who wouldn't be inclined to plagiarize, you stay away from stuff like that because you don't want something like that to worm its way into your head. And then he challenged, then he, then he, he got antagonistic a little bit because he like, he like challenged them to find more stuff. Because so uh, Jason Schreer at Kotaku noted that uh, there were similar someone had let them know that there were similarities between um, with FIFA a FIFA 18 review from Nintendo Life and what it was so then they went review. so then they went out and they found out he said oh this is this is the, he said you can keep looking Kotaku and please let me know if you find anything so then they found Metroid Return of Samus so that was another one they found on top of the FIFA yeah Metroid Return of Samus. Uh, had similarities. And where was that one? Posted? Metroid Samus Returns. Uh, here we go. Um, Samus Returns takes the hero of the franchise. But this is from Engadget, so it looks like he lifted. So he lifted Engadget. from Engadget. Allegedly, so here's a comparison. Samus Returns takes the hero and the franchise back to its roots, from level design that encourages exploration and satisfying enemy encounters to the traditional 2D platforming style that helped birth the term Metroidvania. Musen. Samus Returns takes the legendary hero and franchise back to its roots, oh. with everything from its satisfying anime encounters and intelligent level design that encourages exploration to the traditional 2D action platforming mm. style that literally helped define an entire genre of video games. He added about ten words and switched a couple things around there. Yeah. Good job. Good job, Philip. So, and then, it's always a tip of the iceberg when you find someone who cheats or does something like that. For every... Yeah, well, there's, there's like four side-by-side -side bits for that one that are... And then I heard, I heard there's another one that came up because now they're really digging in because you don't want the internet to go after you when you're, you know you get lied to. Like, oh, I didn't do anything. It's how everyone else does it. No, this isn't how everyone else does it. Other writers have integrity. So, so this guy is a blatant plagiarist, obviously, and no one's really defending him. All of us can come together on Twitter. And it wasn't just that, that he didn't apologize. He didn't own up to it. He puts out this bad, bad career ending just about uh, a non-apology video. Yeah, he says, he says, the bottom line is that what happened with the Dead Cells review is not at all intentional. Uh-huh. So, so... It wasn't intentional that you wanted to get caught, I guess. Yeah. So your dog woke you up, nudged you over <laughs> to the computer, and made you, made you type out those words. Okay. Uh, IGN PC editor Tom Mark says, just to be abundantly clear, plagiarism isn't a mistake, it's a choice. Yes. You don't, you know, you don't plagiarize by accident unless you have the words in front of you. Yeah. There's no other way to be that specific in terms of sentence structure, word use. People can say similar things, but yes. people, that's the big thing I think that needs to be said about plagiarism is the structure is not. Yes. You, can, you do not accidentally create the same structure with those similar words. IGN Reviews editor Dan Stapleton on Twitter said, I haven't seen an apology this poorly received since Kevin Spacey. Yeah, <laughs> it's true. Probably, yes. Uh, so the IGN did their part. They re-reviewed Dead Cells. They tossed it. They tossed him. They're, 
hate to say it, they might have to go back and get rid of some of the other ones that are found out. But this guy's probably I think it was last year. I actually think, well, hired, I th- so this is a lot of reviews potentially. Well, I think uh, some that. of these reviews I think were before he was hired. Oh, some were just on his YouTube that channel. Me- that Metroid would have been before he got hired. Okay, the FIFA 18 would have been before he was hired because I think he was hired this year, beginning of this year. Okay, I mean they'll probably have to go through his other ones at IGN, but these I think were offsite. So this, this is obviously horrible because I feel bad for people that work at IGN. I, I personally know a couple people that work sure. at IGN or have worked at IGN, and it it makes uh, what should be a, a a good organization look bad. But it's this is the sort of thing where the, this guy is a writer and also the the editor, uh, you know, an editor there. There's it's hard to to catch this stuff. There's really especially if it's a YouTube video. How are you going to know that it was plagiarized or someone else? Agent? How the hell are you going to know this guy's doing this? Right. You had you had to have seen the the video review and then go and compare it to the to the his own video and writing. There's no. It's tough. So no no one should be blaming IGN for this at all. So no, I feel awful. For I, IGN. I, I do want to actually commend IGN like up front say that I think they handled it perfectly fantastically he's gone they could not have been quicker with it they took it down 24 hours they they did the research and as soon as they were satisfied with it they they cut it no questions asked Um, you don't fuck around plagiarism it's the unforgivable sin in journalism yeah it's theft yeah it's like someone taking uh, Order of the Griffin and Legend of Hero Tomo off my shelf right there just running away with it. Okay. Same way. All right. And the rest, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> so I'm hoping, I'm hoping uh, this guy threw his career away. Don't take shortcuts at all. Don't. Yeah. I don't know if this guy had a deadline. I'm not excusing it at all. Because it sounds like, it, well, first of all, it, if, if this happened once, you can be like, okay. But the fact that we found three so far, I think it was even a fourth one people are looking at that people have found. This was a pattern. This guy is just, just has no integrity. I'll say that. That's not really an insult. I think there's no integrity when you're a thief or you're a plagiarist. So As hard as a sewage pump. Oh, no, Ian. <laughs> Someone might be watching your video and do a huge-ass response. Anyway. So there you go. So there you have it. And I'm, I'm, I'm hoping he doesn't, you know, from get any shine on his YouTube channel because he came back and did it and already took it down his bad apology video. But who knows? This is your 15 minutes of infamy, I guess. You know, maybe you can do something with it. I don't know become like a villain maybe this becomes your your, your stick you, you now intentionally plagiarize videos people know that oh maybe he'll copy this one this week because he, he could be a cut co- like a cover band he'd be a cover reviewer he'd be like oh well i'm gonna cover the uh, game spot review i'll do that i guess if you do it up front it's okay right if you're <laughs> like this is a, a, a rewording of the game spot review on my channel uh oh, that's bad. I just opened Pandora's box there. Yeah, you really play, did. Plagiarism box. I just opened that up. Ignore everything I just said the past minute, or maybe the past few years. Next week, the fucking plagiarist is the number one channel on YouTube. <laughs> <sighs> so, Ian, I came on Expo. We did a panel. We did. Thanks for coming out. Just like 80 of you about. And we talked about Nintendo cracking down on emulation and, and ROM sites in particular. Uh, love retro and love love rom. It was a real good conversation. It was a good conversation, but you know what? I don't remember it offhand. So we're gonna we're gonna th- throw to it right now in Phoenix, where it's thirty degrees hotter. There was a lot of a lot of news that came out in the emulation front the last few days before we came here, the, over the past week, week and a half, about uh, Nintendo is going after rom sites now, look like full Ian teeth and elbow mode. They're going right in at them. Like, not just cease and desist letters 
We're talking like lawsuits, like, oh, we're gonna, we're gonna file to come after you. Pause. Uh, we jumped into the topic like quicker than we've ever jumped into a topic ever at a so, panel well, or why not? convention. I mean, I don't know. It's the heat. Got, it's getting to me. It's we've already. got an hour to kill. First of all, it's not kill because it makes it seem like we don't want to be here. We want to be here. Well, no. Never mind, never mind what Ian said. But we do want to be here. It's not we killing do, time. But just watch. He's going to want to go to Q&A with 45 minutes left to go. Yes. So what? What's, what's the difference there? People don't like asking us questions. No, they do. Would you guys ask us questions if we have 45 minutes left? Okay, all right. I'll take a sure. That counts. That, that definitely counts. Fine, we won't talk about the topic. We'll just... No, we will. No, we won't. Well, well, I mean, we're going to get there. No, we're, just, no, we're not going to get there. This is the podcast, by the way. This, yeah. is, what, this is what you're, you've missed out on for four and a half years. We've been doing it for five years, and we're at that point. Yeah. Seven-year itch is coming soon. Yep. For us. <laughs> I think we might All right, so nothing's there. been happening with emulation. No, it has. We're, we're getting we there. We just flew so. in from San Diego. Boy, are our arms tired. <laughs> they sure are. Try uh, the veal. Did, did you see anything nice out there at the conventions, uh, expo hall? Anything? So anyway, it's Nintendo's being a brat. <laughs> Nintendo's being bratty. And uh, because of this, uh, MU Paradise, which is arguably one of the most important emulation sites in probably the past 18 years, is changing entirely how they're handling um, their, their website going forward. Uh, as of Wednesday, they've now pulled all of their ROMs and emulators um, to avoid any sort of legal backlash, uh, mostly from Nintendo. Um, but they decided to be as careful as possible, and they've removed everything. So they weren't sued. Love no. Retro and Love ROM were straight up sued. Like, we're going to take your babies from you sued. To the tune of an insane amount of money. So... This website, uh, Love Retro, was one of those sites where you could play the games um, in the browser. There were over 100 games that you could play in the browser. Um, they also had Nintendo art, box art, logos, uh, everything all over the website, um, which is fairly brazen. Um, That's bold, because most in the past, you go to a, a ROM site, you just get a list of ROMs, you download them. So they weren't usually using intellectual property made on some screenshots. They wouldn't be like, oh, here's uh, the history of the game and the box art and everything. So Nintendo probably said, okay, this is probably over the line for even us at this point. Maybe now this is the impetus I'm going to go after everyone. But at least that site's going to be dead. Like, that, that's gone forever. Yeah, that site. Most were lists of often broken hyperlinks with advertisements for porn and supplements on the side. Um, but... Nintendo is suing uh, these sites to the tune of, I believe, uh, 150000 for each instance of a game that's a Nintendo property on the website, and $2 million for every instance of the trademark being on the websites. Um, that's enough to ruin someone, obviously, forever. Uh, so many other sites are taking note of that and just ceasing the function. Well, Cool Rom, cool Rom is another big one. That there used to be like three or four big sites, but now Cool Rom and Emu, Emu Paradise, which is not the animal, um, that'd be a different one. Emu Paradise. Yeah. Emu Paradise. I don't want to know about Emu Paradise. That sounds, <laughs> but, that sounds highly questionable and suspect. But those are the only two that survived to this point from 20 years ago. There used to be all like some MAME sites where you download the arcade ROMs and other ones. But um, Cool Rom just took off all their 
Nintendo con not just Nintendo ROMs, every Nintendo console, there's no longer a link for it. So Game Boy's gone, NES, Super, N64, they're just gone. They're just being as safe as I possibly can, just doing that. Right. So, um, I mean, Paradise will still do retro content, um, but that's about it. So, apparently, they're probably going to be news. Microphone. They, did you hear him? Okay, you You want me to curl? I don't know, just point. I, I feel like you were trying to take an, you know, an opportunity there to you know, show off your biceps. So this, um, this, this topic is actually uh, it's timely and good for here because uh, Nintendo filed suit in Arizona. Oh, is that where the Love ROM is located? I guess so. Oh, so let's right. hear it for Arizona. Cheap pop. Yeah, yeah. Is that okay. where GoDaddy is? All right, cheap pop. Nintendo Stormtroopers outside ready to bust in. Reggie's got his Negan bat. So what really is a bummer about this is Nintendo's not always great about reissuing and re-releasing things. Um, and they tend to go after these ROM sites the hardest. When you look at this in the scope of video game preservation, um, it's a fairly big blow. You know, uh, ME Paradise was where most people went, as it was a very comprehensive um, website in terms of the ROM collection. You could, uh, it's a weird example, but you could find everything from the Beat Mania PlayStation 2 games, which is where I used to go to get those, um, you know, to, you know, the common stuff like your Super Mario 3, if you wanted to just play that and you didn't have it. Um, there is, for example, a good, a good instance is uh, Super Mario Sunshine. There's no real great way to play Super Mario Sunshine right now if you don't have a GameCube. Um, they haven't announced a re-release of it, and if you want to play that, you either go pay for a used copy. Um, none of that money is going to go to Nintendo. It's not supporting Nintendo. Or you emulate it. And... It just seems, you know, and now, and now you can't do that even. It would behoove Nintendo to do what Sony and a lot of companies are doing now and kind of keep up on making sure that you have these games to play on their consoles. Um, you are then preserving the game and also well, you're making money off of these games that people want to play. Well, let's back up a second. Back these up. These sites shutting down doesn't mean these realms are not going to be available. No, they're just not easily accessible. Yes, I mean, you can go on torrents and download entire libraries and yeah, of of systems of games. So it's not like this has gone forever. It's not like you're going to be going on the street and a guy with an overcoat and asking for the hottest ROMs he has. <laughs> Got that Sega Master System ROM? You know, no, that's not going to happen. Uh, but it does make it tougher. It makes it seem like it's going to be in the fringe of the internet now, the dark web more, potentially. But if, you're, if you really want to get at it, you're going to get at it. But the, but, but the problem with clamping down these sites is that the fact that it was so readily accessible made it so that retro gaming could be easily sustainable because it's more easily, read, like you said, readily available to find games that you would even stumble across by accident. And now that's going to be gone. So unless you make a concerted effort to find some of the stuff, it might be hard to reach those, those games that before you're like, okay, I would never have heard of Chubby chair before, unless I downloaded the NES ROM, for example. You know, very obscure games. Not just, this is no one was worse off. Oh, I like Chubby <laughs> chair. I reviewed it. But you see what I'm saying, though. I, I think that's really what the blow is. To and, and of course preservation. 
all these ROMs are preserved that are taken offline. There's gonna be there's tons of copies of these everywhere. So for preservation, I think that's almost a misnomer when it comes to the, the issue. I think the preservation yeah, itself- It's not the preservation, I guess, that's the problem. It's yeah. the ready access to yes. the preservation. That's the, the larger problem. It's also keeping the interest alive in the older games. Because like you said, uh, just turn, in terms of even the older Nintendo games alone that are published, it's probably like not even half have been re-released in the past 10 years. We go to the other systems though, now you're talking like third-party games. Now you're talking about like 95% of those games haven't been re-released on right. all those various systems. And that's where it's more damaging long-term because while the ROMs will always be available, most people won't realize most of those games are out there. They won't be able to play them just because they don't know where to search for them. And, that's, and, and it's not about taking money away from these publishers because they're not re-releasing most of those games. And a lot of times the rights, who no one knows the rights to some of these games, they've been resold or multiple people or entities own rights to certain games. So some of these games will never be re-released anyway in our lifetime. So it's, it's, a, it's a strange issue. And yes, copyright does run out on, in theory on, on these properties, but it's not gonna be for a long, long time. So. There's also an image issue um, for Nintendo. It's this weird dichotomy, um, especially when you play it against Sony or especially Microsoft at the moment. Um, so on one hand, you have you know, Nintendo out there right now with, say, Smash Brothers looking great to the community. They're putting all this effort into it. You know, they're basically giving fans everything they asked for and more. And then you have this going on at the same time, and it looks extraordinarily petty. Um, you know, they don't release these games. They don't, uh, you know, they go after these ROM sites. They don't do the remakes. They don't offer backwards compatibility. Their formats are constantly changing, et cetera, et cetera. Um, you know, you can't play your 3DS stuff or your DS stuff anymore. They used to be known for being backwards compatible and all that. Now you've got companies that build their brand on that. I mean, Microsoft has almost entirely built their brand on allowing for backwards compatibility. So you have preservation in terms of the ROMs, but people can easily access all of their old games. None of these games from, and I know it feels recent, but shit, this stuff is like 18 years old now, some of it. None of these games have left the public's eye. Their libraries are still relevant to a lot of people because of this. Um, they have kind of tackled this problem head on, uh, Sony as well, so that people don't forget there's, even if they're charging for it, it's staying in the mind's eye, I guess. They, you know, um, have the libraries available such as PS Now, you know, you use that service and you have access to tons of PlayStation 1, PlayStation 2 games, PlayStation 3 games. So, whereas Nintendo is very... What's the word? Nintendo is very... Um, draconian? <laughs> draconian, but um, stingy with releasing their old titles and keeping them held back. Even if it's a monetary thing, Microsoft and Sony is very good about keeping those... Sure. Available. Nintendo I, is not. I don't know if this is the death of all emulation sites, just because when you look at the particular one, the one they went after, which was in-browser play. It's, no, Emmy Paradise is not. No, no, but they weren't hit up with a lawsuit in Paradise. They're just afraid of what's going on. So this love retro, love ROM thing, they're making it so that it's almost too easy by Nintendo's eyes, where it's like, okay, you're not even searching out the emulators. You're not searching out the ROMs yourself and going through that uh, rigmarole. Now it's just all there for you. And oh, by the way, we're going to have an on-demand uh, service coming soon where we're, you're going to pay a monthly service. 
to play our games. And now this site's doing it for free. You'll be able to do it on any iPhone, any any tablet. And that's probably where Nintendo said that crossed the line for them. I'm not, I, can't, I can't speak for Nintendo corporate, but for, to me that was their bridge probably too far. And that might have given them now an excuse though to go after everyone else. You know? Sure. They might say, okay, well, now let's just clean up everything maybe. So maybe maybe that's what it was. But I, I would say this is, cannot be divorced entirely from what's coming down the line with the Switch online service. It can't be. Well, it Has seems like Nintendo does this every few years when they do gear up for something like the virtual console or this online service. Um, there seems to be a, a, a pattern to them going after the ROM sites. Because it's not the, yes, you're right, the this, isn't, this isn't the first time they've done this. No. I like it when you use the word rigmarole. You like that word, Ian? I do. It makes me think of a pasta dish. A pasta dish? Now I'm hungry. Maybe it, I'm just it, hungry. I am. Intermittent fasting, damn it. It's tough. I, I had three donut holes today. What's what's the what's the the food of Phoenix? Is there a food of Phoenix or Arizona? I, a, ch- a chimichanga, I heard. In and out. In and out. I'm from San Diego. Well, we're from San Diego. Plenty of in and out. So, so anything else to say on this? I, I think. Well, they might just dip their toe in the water of these sites like Cool Rom and be like, okay, maybe we can do this in a couple of years again. The heat's off. Well, I mean, we'll see. This is, you know, this lawsuit, yes, they've done this in the past, but this lawsuit looks like it's going to be particularly damning if it goes through. And it's scared people. It's scared them to the point where they have to... I mean, Paradise's, you know, response was, you know, the guy who runs it... Um, Said this is scary, you know. Basically, said this is scary enough that I'm not going to jeopardize, sure. you know, my employees' future on this. But the, and that's where I think in Nintendo's lawsuit, I think that's what really killed them to, to act. And was what we talk about is when people are profiting, what they feel are profiting unfairly off of their stuff. Sure. So when you go to these websites, there's and now it's great to have access to these realms. I've used these sites. So you guys probably use these sites. But there are a ton of ads on these sites. There's pop-up ads. There's always, well, you can you can donate to get to be able to download ROMs more quicker instead of waiting every five or fifteen minutes. They're making coin these websites. They absolutely are. It's not like they're doing this not for profit or just breaking even on these websites. So when you look at it from that stance, yeah, Nintendo has a little bit of right to be pissed. And I'm not trying to, you know, let Nintendo, Nintendo's I think going overboard a little bit here, but they have a point when it comes to these websites making a ton of money. Sure. On this stuff. The same way the Scum Makes Selves a Week are selling, you know, all these ROMs. The same way. Now, that's what I wish Nintendo would do. They really should be going on eBay with people who are directly making $50 per every SD card and going after eBay and saying, hey, eBay, you're letting this happen. Maybe that's the next step. I can only wish. Oh, I certainly wish they would go after that. Because they have, to know, they have to know about it. They have, have to have known that when we talked about talking the podcast six months ago where they had a repro freaking category for repro labels and boxes and that's just ridiculous i think that's the larger um, definitely the, the the worst abuse of emulation is is that is um you know loading up a selling the roms yeah directly. A, a silver genesis shell with roms and yeah you know, oh we covered that the, the retro i don't remember what it was, it was called but yeah that sort of shit especially when they get brazen enough to you know do a kickstarter for it Oh, yeah. They love us when we talk about that, those ones. So that was 17 minutes, Ian. So not quite uh, – it's like 15 minutes in. Anything else on this topic? Stretch this out a little bit? We're good. We're good? We're good. That's it. That's the podcast. We do 17 <laughs> minutes at a time. No. that's. We usually do two hours, sometimes two and a half, and he wants to strangle me at that point. 
And we're back. You know, you were very succinct. You made some great points. Thanks. You did too. I remember you making some real good. About five minutes in, I was like, wow, Ian's smart right now. That's why he's on the podcast. That's why I thought. And then Pat came around and hit people with the real knowledge. Yes. Sometimes, you know, it's it's a one-two punch to see you. Pow, Yeah. Just Uh, sorry you can. Ian's a jab. I'm the right cross. That's how we work (laughs) on the CU podcast. So thanks for listening. These days, Ian, you can get practically everything on demand. Just like to see a podcast, you listen whenever you want, when it's convenient for you. With Sam's.com, you can access all the amazing services of the post office right from your desk, 24 hours a day, seven days a week, when it's convenient for you. You buy and print official U.S. postage for any letter, any package, using your own computer and printer. And the mail carrier can pick it up. Just click print and mail, and you're done. I've used Sam's.com, Ian, for like five years now, six years uh, DVDs, mailing DVDs, dailing, mailing, <laughs> mailing video games out. My 10, 10 mystery box combo pack. I used to do wristbands, uh, books. I've done it all from. It's convenient, and you save a little bit of cash too doing that. Yeah. So go right now. You can go to uh, go to stamps dot com, and you can get a special offer with using code CU Podcast. It includes up to fifty five dollars in free posters with this deal. A digital scale, which you'll need to. Woo. You know, you're sending out those little bird bird drawings. Measure it with that digital scale, and you get a four week trial. Go to stamps.com before you do anything else. Click on the radio microphone at the top of the homepage of stamps.com. Type in the code CU Podcast. Go to stamps.com. Click on the microphone. Code CU Podcast for your special offer: fifty five dollars in free postage, a digital scale, and a four week trial. It's code CU Podcast. Get mailing today, conveniently today. Hey, hey. In the streaming world, Ian, uh, Ninja is one of the biggest ones out there. He rose to fame with Fortnite. He had, he got Drake to play fucking Fortnite with him somehow. That was, that's a, that's a big get. Um, so he did it. He did a, a, a he commented on on through a Polygon's article his choice not to stream with female gamers. Uh, so Ninja's uh, logic behind this and people. There, it was weird. There was, a, there was pretty much a split on on this, down the middle, about agreeing with his logic and not about him. So Ninja is a big streamer. When you're streaming, you're out in the open. People know everything about you. They comment everything else. So uh, he said, I don't play with female gamers. That's the first quote. <laughs> if I have one conversation with one female streamer, we're playing with one another, and even if there's a hint of flirting... That is going to be taken and going to put in every single video and be clickbait forever. Um, so I'm not going to comment on uh, all the writing here because it's a little bit editorialized as we go through. I'm trying to find just the comments from this Polygon article. Um, not being not being connected to other women online, that was something I made 100% sure. Uh, that was not even... I can't even read, follow this article right now. But basically, this was his logic. His logic was... Um, he got married about less than a year ago. He, he has his wife there. And his concern is that when you're streaming with someone of the opposite sex, that he doesn't he wants to try to squash whatever even happens, any innuendo, any talk of anything, any sort of, of bad rumors or lies that get put out there. And um, I don't think offhand it's unreasonable to say that just because, you know, in my experience, I've encountered that a, a little bit. Uh, but I don't stream that much, but whenever I've interviewed someone of the opposite sex or work with someone of the opposite sex, you undoubtedly get people that'll say stuff like, oh, they're together, 
or he's smashing that or or disgusting things like that. It happens. Sure. Um, when, you, when you talk about uh, when you talk about the people, the type of people that might watch these streams, they could be younger people. They don't experience talking to women sometimes. Don't maybe don't have platonic female friends, so they'll automatically assume you're talking to a girl or a woman. You must be in a relationship, or there must be something romantic involved. There's there's that weird uh, thought process among some men or boys. I don't picture a lot of girls doing this stuff or saying like, oh, you know, he must be smashing that because they're talking. Sure, it's gonna be boys and some immature men who might <clears throat> don't have experience being in either a relationship or having friends that are women. So the counterpoint Ian was people saying, well, by not by not uh, streaming with with women. You are not giving female streamers a platform that you might should because you have you're a big streamer. It's your responsibility to help lift up these female streamers who have much difficulty already getting recognition because there's less of them, and and maybe men and boys aren't drawn to watching female streamers or they have difficult difficulty already getting attention or maybe be good to, to more be like okay these these are gamers too these aren't fake gamers by streaming with them. So th- there's there's a it's an interesting conversation to be had. And I don't know if there is a clean solution. There probably isn't. I'm going to say this, though. I don't feel someone like Ninja should be necessarily obligated to use his platform to promote others if he feels uncomfortable doing so. If he feels like it could be a potential issue personally, then you know what? To me, that's his choice if he doesn't do it. I, he, he actually had a follow-up response, too, because he felt he was taken out of context. And his follow-up, I'll, I'll bring it up in a second, was, to me, pretty balanced and reasonable response uh he put it on twitter i believe uh he did like a little i'm gonna find his, his account uh but he had a response which if you i'll find it while you talk give your opinions about it but i think people made some people that were upset at him i think made a bigger deal out of it than probably that they should have and they probably don't know how bad it can get in that world especially with someone as big as him and so that, I totally get his stance. Maybe you agree, maybe you don't. But I don't think he was being totally unreasonable. Um, he, he can do whatever he wants. It's his choice. Um, I suppose in one way I understand on the the image side um, of it. But I also think it's a very... I have his response here, by the way, if you want me to read it. it, it uh, give me one second. Okay. It, it shows that I don't know. It shows an immature and high school style mindset. People are going to talk one way or another. Um, it's not. It, you don't. You don't have to listen. I mean, these are, as you stated, young people who are going to talk like they're on a playground. It. It doesn't matter. You have um, a platform. You should be able to rise above that. Uh, people who work in all industries deal with this sort of thing when they work with uh, coworkers. If you know, if they're into you know members of the opposite sex, actors, actresses, people who work in office music. buildings, music. I mean, sure. this is not a unique situation. This happens all the time, and to me, it seems like only in the video game world is it still looked at in this weird middle school, high school um, way that. It, where it, where it's it, it's an incredibly huge deal. It's very weird to me that in this instance we look at it as something important, but in other instances, if this happened, I think everyone's opinion would be a lot more shifted. 
um, to maybe not understanding why he would choose this. Well, well, it's a different audience, right? That's what it comes down to. These are young kids, well, sure. preteens, teenagers. But then to, to, to bounce off what you said before with, you know, the younger kids, um, you know, not having really any examples of platonic female friends, etc. Well, then give them an example. Sure. Um, I mean, why not start? Why not rise above this? Uh, why not rise above this, you know, this stereotype or this idea and just put it to rest? Why not normalize the situation? Well, it's, it's, I mean, you, it's, it's, you, it, yeah. you have he's got the platform. He's the biggest streamer. He has this chance to kind of he could he can make that he can make headways into it. Yeah, he can break. He can break that bullshit up. Right. Instead Absolutely. of instead of perpetuating it. Well, I don't think he's perpetuating it by avoiding it necessarily. Well, he's, he's just—he's just not—he's just avoid. I mean, he's just—he's divorcing himself from it by yeah. making it a public thing. I think that perpetuates it, or at least solidifies it in stone as an well, issue. Well, I think he was asked it directly, okay. so he responded. You know, it's, I, he didn't just come out and say, "You know, this is what I want to do." You know, because people probably notice it if I can see. But this is this was his response to it, though. I want to take a moment to address the discussion around the article that came out over the weekend. While I understand some people have implied my views mean that I have something against playing with women, I want to make clear that the issue I'm addressing is online harassment and my attempt to minimize it from our life. It is something that affects all streamers, especially ones that make their relationships public. I wanted to bring attention to this issue, and my comments should not be categorized as anything beyond that. Having just celebrated my one-year anniversary, my wife and my family will always be the most important thing to me, and I'm doing my best to protect them. We are fans of all kind of streamers and gamers. Uh, Kirby Lama, Julia TV, and uh, I can't pronounce that. Halia Atisuto are a few of our favorites, and we encourage others to check out their channels. I look forward to the opportunity to meet and play with all kinds of Fortnite players in future tournaments and events. So there you go. Uh, yeah, it, it, I think with with the streaming, it, I think the direct access and direct feedback is also something that does not exist in what you talked about before about about workplace a typical workplace uh typical uh even the actors and the music industry i think the difference is that he also i think he has to be thinking about them as well because what if he streams with someone regularly um say uh kirby llama that's a cool name then then you have people start going to the channel to ask about oh are you with it are you with tyler that's his name or are you guys hooking up and all this stuff and it could be a weird situation. I'm not saying that that you should kowtow to the fucking fringe element that could be doing that. But that's what he's thinking about. I think he's... The marriage thing, I understand that. We, we've seen a, a little bit. We, we've seen uh, fucking... The, the, the one guy we talked about that broke down in tears about cheating on his wife on fucking stream last year. Like, just broke character and said, I cheated on my wife, blah, blah, blah. And that's like obviously the worst worst case scenario what can happen with with your personal life getting involved. Yeah, but that has nothing to do with streaming with women. But maybe he's thinking he's trying to avoid anything like that. Not not, not necessarily a Mike Pence thing where he can't have dinner with with, with a woman if, it, if his wife's not there. I don't know. I mean, my, my last take on this is that it's it's a solution, but I think it's kind of the nuclear option. The, and, and how old is this guy? I'm gonna look this up. This not this streamer can't be that old. It's uh, it's it's upsetting. If this guy's older than 25, I'd be shocked. He's 27. That's still freaking young. Okay, he's 27. All right. The, he might not know how to navigate these waters, and is afraid of even trying. That's what. That's my final takeaway. Is it that he's he, he may not even think he has the maturity to be able to navigate this and and do it. 
And if that's the case, then maybe he shouldn't be the one doing it. If he, if he recognizes that up front, maybe he'd be the one to fuck it up. I don't know. But, you know, I don't, I don't think he should feel an obligation to do work that others might be able to do instead. And probably are doing instead. So I'll leave it at that. Fuck up, kid. <laughs> All right, Ian. Uh, we have uh, Bethesda in the news for a, a strange, strange uh, reason about the terms of 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 of, of selling so, a new game. This is this is kind of strange. It's not. It's dumb. Okay, so. Bethesda sent a, basically there was a, uh, a what's his full name? Um, let me see. Ryan Hupp was trying to sell a new copy. New copy. A sealed copy. Sealed. A sealed previously owned copy. We don't get in trouble. It was sealed, but. Of the Evil Within 2 um, on Amazon Marketplace. And after the PlayStation 4. As a third-party seller, which there's tons on Amazon, obviously. Yes. And um, Bethesda's legal firm, uh, Voris, recently sent a, or sent a letter to him uh, telling him that uh, it was unlawful and he would have to remove it or face legal action. He threatened it. They threatened him. Yeah. Okay. Um, so, they, so he did. So people were wondering why. And uh, Pete Hines, Bethesda's senior vice president of global marketing, um, at QuakeCon, they followed up and he he explained the situation, saying, um, "All we're saying is if it's a previous saying, wasn't that the problem? He was selling the game, but that he had listed it as new, mm-hmm. and that if he had previously owned the product, you have to sell it as previously owned. Basically, he's afraid that you could someone could have opened it up." played it for a while, taken inserts out, and then resealed it and put it back in shrink wrap and said that it was new. And then, so it's 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 not new. You owned it. You bought it. So just list it as a used title. That's it. That's the end of the argument. If you want to sell your copy That's, of the game, it's pre-owned. Uh, you, this is his quote. You can't say that it's new because I have no way to verify that. And ultimately, that person is our customer we have to deal with and if there's stuff missing or things that have happened we're the ones that are going to have to make it right no 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 you're not you're not so anyways we'll get there so <laughs> Heinz is at pains to explain that they're not seeking to block sales of used games uh, so as long as they're described as used in the listing if you want to sell your copy it's pre-owned you can't say it's new because I have no way to verify blah 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 so uh, I mean, horseshit. I mean it's it's ridiculous so my question is then um you know, at what point does the chain go from new to used? If Luna has a copy, is it is it used or or is it new? Because we bought them from a distributor, pre-owned. Yeah, yeah are, are they are they new or pre-owned? Um, when when does when do they stop being new and when do they become pre-owned? Are they pre-owned at GameStop? Pete? Well, no, because when they're if they're an authorized seller, then it's still new to them. When as soon as it's not an authorized seller, so if Luna's not an authorized seller, you're, it's not new because they don't know who you are. Even. It's it's ridiculous. They're going to have to go to eBay then and change the definition of what new is. When you sell a video game, there's item descriptions for new and like very good and good. Like 
It never says on, on eBay. Well, you can say it's new if you if if the person who manufactured it you know, says comes you can in says and verifies new. it. Right? Yeah, that's insane. It's I've I've I don't. And it's I, not. It's not. But it's not even a liability thing, though. Right? Because because they're not liable. If 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 Bethesda a third party didn't sell it as new, you sold it as yeah. New. So for him trying to say no, if if someone buys off of eBay, if I bought a new game off of eBay or Amazon listed new and it was shrink wrapped. And there was missing the game inside. I would go back to the the, the third party seller. Yeah, it's their responsibility. You're not going to Bethesda. They're going to make it right. Bethesda is going to be like, well, we don't know what the hell happened, which is true because they didn't sell it directly to. Game. Like if GameStop had a bunch of shipments that stuff was messed up, yes, then they would go to Bethesda and be like, what is this? But once it gets to the, a third party, the responsibility is washed at that point. The the, the chain is gone. There's no like manufacturer warranty that's being passed down for games at that point, as far as I know. Yeah, if I buy a sealed Nintendo game, yes. If I buy, if I buy, uh, let's just see, what's a random game? Danny Sullivan's Indie Heat sealed new. I'm not gonna if there's if the manual's missing, I'm not gonna go back to the you know to Trade West, West yeah, and be like, what the <laughs> hell's going on here, Excuse Trade West me. or whoever's on? Yeah, what's what's happening? No, I go back to you know Joe Schmo who sold me that game that I don't I never heard of until now. <laughs> See what I'm saying though? So it's ridiculous. I I just these people are making up the rules. Um, I think they just want to make sure that they sell more copies from their vendors yes so no that's exactly it, it it's it's they want to make sure that, that I, I guarantee the problem here is something to do with new they want new to imply that they get the money that it's a copy that they are getting some sort of cut they want the to maximize the new sales as much as possible right because that's what reflects on them exactly so even so they New means purchased th- from somewhere yes. they can track because they already got the sale from this third right. party seller. That sales in the they got that money exactly. So they they'd rather get that additional sale from someone looking and buying it brand new from like Amazon Prime from their warehouse versus going to a third party seller and getting it. That's right. really what this is. So, it's it's really nickel and diming. It's especially from a company like Bethesda that you think they would make enough sales that it wouldn't matter to their bottom line. You know, it, it it is a slight way of trying to curb used game sales, which they've been trying to do forever. Yeah, some of these companies, yeah, because they don't get money off of used game sales. The game is not used if it's still stored in the shrink wrap, unused. He's not trying to sell a secondhand game. He's trying to sell a new game. He was listing the products if it was new. All we're saying is, if it's previously owned product, you have to sell it as previously owned product. You cannot represent it's new because we have no way to verify what you're selling is actually is new. No, you just have no way to verify that on your tracking. I wonder if Amazon will push back and be like, what the fuck are you doing? Like, because you're now eating into our sales right. from our third party people. Because they, they probably have some successful, you know, resellers who get like new old stock that list everything new. And they can, when listing new, they usually can do above, you know, the use price. Yeah. So that's money that Amazon's not going to be losing. So they might be upsetting the big dog here, Bethesda. Just thought about that. You, know, you don't want to get an Amazon or Disney side, uh, bad side. Yeah. Yeah, what a ridiculous thing. Yeah, it's pretty bad. So, all right. Um, Ian, Hmm? we'll have to change my name now to Pat the Nest Punk. No. Are are the people that have been telling me that's Nest, have they been right all along? No. Well, according to Nintendo, via the new WarioWare game, Nintendo, the, uh, the NES is supposed to be pronounced... Ness. Okay, so this is in WarioWare Gold. 
there's a museum section where you scroll through some uh, some like slideshow showcasing the Famicom. And there's a picture of the NES. It's like a stock image, you know, stock image is a background. And within the description, Nintendo says that NES is pronounced NES. This is true people uh, looking at the Japanese and saying, okay, based upon the symbols here, this is they're saying that NES is actually NES. Okay. So everyone's like, oh my god, we were wrong all along because of WarioWare Gold telling us that it's pronounced NES, not NES, because of the certain uh, Japanese characters saying it is pronounced NES. It's bullshit. It's bullshit for multiple reasons, people. I'm not changing the name of a certain NES guidebook. It's not happening. It's bullshit. First of all, people, they didn't have an NES in Japan, first of all. The NES was in North America and in Europe. So I don't care how you pronounce it over there in Japan. If you did in a board meeting somewhere or, you know, in some weird trade show, doesn't fucking matter. It was in Japan. You had the Famicom. I'm not going to tell you how to pronounce the Famicom anytime soon. That's point number one, Ian. Point number two. At the time, in the 80s and 90s, it was never pronounced the NES. Never by anyone. <laughs> Howard Phillips didn't pronounce it like that when we recorded for the video game years. I go by Howard Phillips. Uh, it wasn't pronounced that way. Anyway, no, it was never pointed out in any Nintendo power to pronounce it the NES. When you look at the official uh, player's guide, there's periods. When you see the NES written half the time, there's periods in between the letters. But what about Nestor? Shut up. There's periods in between the letters, which denotes that it's, it's an acronym. NES, Nintendo Entertainment System. I'm not done. Technically, the Super Nintendo is the Super NES. It's technically not the SNES. By Nintendo standards, it's the Super NES. Go find any Reggie Fizeme uh, fucking uh, interview from the past few years talking about the NES Classic or the S- Super Nintendo Classic or any calling it the SNES or the NES. It's not there. Try to find it. Try to find it. I don't think you'll find it. I don't think you're going to find it. I, don't, I hope you're not going to find it. You're not going to find it. Bullshit. The last point, and this is just prelim- preliminary looking, on the commercials that came out in North America then, they say NES in those commercials. Look up the Kirby's Adventure commercial. New on NES. They say new on NES. Not new on NES. Not new on NES with Zs in Europe. They say new on NES. Eat me. I don't care what this stupid fucking game says. How they pronounce it. It's GIF and it's NES. It's GIF and it's NES. You don't say graphics. You say graphics. It's GIF. Go by, I go by what the guy who invented it says. I know then you it. should go by what Nintendo says. But they said it as NES don't themselves. Care. Don't care. Fuck off. We're not talking about GIF and GIF. Don't, don't submarine my, my awesome fucking <laughs> symposium right now. You've used symposium. That's the first time I ever told you to fuck up on the podcast, <laughs> but that's well deserved right there. <sighs> Anything to add, Ian? Yeah. No? I agree with you. Oh, thanks, Ian. I, I'm sorry for telling you to fuck off. Yeah, it's all good. <laughs> all right. People get heated. Okay, Ian, this is, this is serious business. Let's, let's you know, redo my entire book in the third print run. All right. Uh, Resident Evil 2. Resident Evil 2 remake. Looking good. It's looking good, looking hot. 
Can't wait for it. Uh, it. But along with it is coming some stupid ass special edition shit. Um, so Resident Evil Two is getting um, two special edition thingamajigs. Um, both anger me in different ways. So we'll talk first about the special edition box set. Um, the special edition box set is nine hundred dollars, and most of that is uh, because of what appears to be an extraordinarily large Leon S. Kennedy statue um, in uh, great detail, a large box, um, an art book, a soundtrack, CD, the game, all the DLC. Um, looks like a large poster. Um, and I'm assuming... Uh, and then four ink ribbons, which are actually just masking tape. Um, but, you know, whatever. It's a prop. And, uh, you know, it looks amusing. Um, $900 is a lot. Statues cost a lot of money. Uh, and that does include the game. Um, the prop that is the most ridiculous, though, uh, that is coming separately for 675 Um Oh, no, I'm sorry. It, no, it also so, comes in that edition. So, yeah, it comes in this edition as well, but you can get this separately for 675 but this comes in the $900 edition. This is the part that drives me nuts. So, it's coming with a Resident Evil 2 typewriter keyboard. Basically, it's a keyboard, a Bluetooth keyboard. It can also um, be hooked up via USB, I believe. Uh, and it looks like, in a way, a old school typewriter with the circle keys, and it has a um, a roll. You know, it has the paper feet on the top. It has the the little lever for the next line. The uh, yeah, you can actually hit that lever for enter. Oh, that's awesome! Yeah, so it's and it has uh, you know uh, the Lexington logo on the top, which is the lo- the logo used for the uh, typewriter uh, in Resident Evil Two. It's got the little umbrella logo at the bottom, right? So that's nice and all. However, this is just a stock keyboard um, from a company I believe called um, Quirky Writer. It's a Bluetooth keyboard. Okay, it's a it's a. No, they make, like, Quirky Writer makes these typewriter keyboards. Well, this one's Bluetooth enabled. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, Quirky Writer makes these keyboards for about $250, and they look exactly the same. So that's a lot of money for a keyboard. So they must be great quality, though. Well, I'm just saying, Quirky Writer makes these keyboards for about $250 without the Resident Evil branding on them. Oh, they look exactly the same? They look exactly the same. What? They look exactly the same. Quirky writer, quirky writer. Uh, it's but it's like quirky, only quirky. Um, yeah, it's Q W E R K Y writer. Oh my god, I didn't realize that they're about two hundred and fifty dollars. Oh my god, it's the same keyboard. Yep, it's the same keyboard, like literally minus a couple bits of branding. It's the same keys. They're yep. circular keys. Well, and I'm going to get into why the circular keys bother me in a second too. Hold on, so. It has, without the branding, at like a third of the price. So they're charging, so the Resident Evil one is charging like three times the amount, and it doesn't even look like the Resident Evil typewriter. The Resident Evil typewriter has square keys. 
Oh, does it? Yeah, there See, Resident Evil typewriter. I, 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 has... I only played Resident Evil Four. Now, for those who don't know, Resident Evil usually save at the at the typewriters. Yes, Resident Evil uh, typewriter has square keys and doesn't really look anything like the typewriter that they're the typewriter keyboard that they're giving you. So, good old Capcom is was, milking was, the shit was, out of this. They, they, one day they Googled. They were just Googling around and they found, hey, look at this keyboard. That not really doesn't really look like the one in our games. This typewriter. But what if we brand it like it was from our games? Yeah. And the idiots will eat it up. So, so I can guarantee you this. If this is costing like $300, the, the cost to make this was probably like 100 125 for one of these. So Capcom is probably doing some deal directly with these quirky folks. And just, like you said, they're going to say, okay, can you rebrand it on the top? Put this little piece of fucking plastic film on here this is a, a keyboard that should not cost, in theory, that much more than what you can buy this quirky one for. Like you said, two fifty, yeah, or three hundred, whatever. Yeah, quirky writer, here it is. They're two hundred and fifty bucks, and they're charging six seventy five for separate. And that's why the nine hundred dollar thing is nine hundred dollars. So, that, so really, that nine hundred dollar package should cost you like four fifty or five. Yeah, <laughs> somewhere that we'll say five hundred or five fifty. Yeah, because I, I at first I thought they didn't. I, I thought the. Uh, I thought the box was did not have that. I thought the box was just a really big statue, and I was like, "That has to be a really high quality statue." No, it has that typewriter in it, so that means this. That's insane. Yeah, I thought you realized that. Yeah, that's- a two hundred and fifty dollar keyboard that they're trying to sell at value at six hundred and seventy five for what? I mean, if you look at it, literally two separate pieces of branding. Yeah, they're adding a I- Lexington logo. And then an umbrella. Naive logo. Pat thought, "Oh, maybe they made this from scratch." I'm a fucking idiot. I thought Capcom would, would uh, maybe did something like that. Nope. I mean, it would have been really cool if that was the case. But now that I know that this is just a generic thing that they slapped a little bit of extra branding on, this is just this is hideous. <laughs> this could be the worst collector's edition ever because of this. Because you are you are paying somewhere between four and five hundred dollars more just just because Capcom said so. Yeah. Just because they said, "Oh, because you're stupid, we're going to milk you for five hundred dollars." Is this is this news been getting out there that this is a this is literally a re, uh, rebranded uh, existing product? I don't think so. It's the Quirky Writer S mechanical keyboard. Let's make sure we have this right. That this is actually that one. It has to be. It is. I just looked it up. The extra product will come with a limited edition, but also going to be bought by itself. The keyboard was charged via USB cable. Return bar can act like the enter key, like you said. Well, now it can be used to adjust the volume or to scroll the page, which is cool. If I'm not paying a $400 markup on it, it's cool. I mean, it's exactly what it is. Oh, my fucking God. Wow. I mean, if it's not, it's... Extru- it's 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 close. It's Yeah. It's close. I mean, they took the idea directly from it. No, so, they're making it. They yeah, have to be. Yeah, they have to be making it. Here so. I thought, well, the molds for the... Keys cost money. They got to do the molds for this, and I'm like, nope. It's just I was like, oh, it's like a small run. If you do a few thousand of these, it's going to cost you a lot. Yeah, they're like two hundred fifty everywhere. I mean, damn it, Capcom. The, the original MSRP is apparently four hundred, but no place online is selling them for more than five hundred that I can see. And even if they were four hundred, well, more than three hundred, you mean they're selling the keyboard? No, I I don't see anywhere where they're more than two fifty online. Oh, okay. The original MSRP is you know they're saying compare it. 400 but I don't see anywhere you selling see them that. for 400 oh, okay, I see. And even if they were at 400 that would still be 
that would still be a $275 markup on it for two pieces of additional branding. That's disgusting. Capcom, I'm disappointed in you. <laughs> oh, my God. I gave you the benefit of the doubt. I thought that was kind knowing. of neat. Now I think it's kind of disgusting. This could be... You know what? You know what? We don't have one. Uh, scumbag seller of the week. <laughs> you are Capcom. You are the scumbag. Scumbag. Seller. Seller of the week. Of the week. 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 God damn. We hadn't done one in a while, so there you go. It kind of is. Wow. It kind of caught us by surprise as we went through that. <laughs> That's disgusting. That is. That's fucking gross, man. Ian, we love the Blue Apron. We always have. We Blue do. Apron. If you remember, Ian, you remember they deliver farm-fresh ingredients and step-by-step recipes to your door. The beef stroganoff of the past. We've had I've had fajitas that were delicious. Korean rice Bar- cakes and, and, barbe- and, and barbecue pork. Barbecue pork. Yes. That was good. So tasty. With the ginger, ginger pork meal, that was great. So their mission is to make incredible home cooking accessible to everyone. To everyone. They're quick and easy. Recipe options. Perfectly proportioned ingredients delivered right to your door. You don't have to buy anything extra. Blue Apron makes dinner quick, easy, and insanely tasty. Skip meal planning. Get straight to cooking with Blue Apron. Right now they have cheeseburgers with spicy slaw. That looks delicious. Damn this intermittent fasting. Seared chicken and tangy barbecue sauce as well. These are chef-designed recipes and exciting partnerships like Bob's Burgers and MasterChef. So check out this week's menu and get your first three meals free. Three meals. That, that's, that'll, that'll hold me over. At blueapron.com slash podcast. That's blueapron.com slash podcast to get your first three meals free. Blue Apron. It's a better way to cook. Time for a Q&A. Patreon Q&A. Ian, how do you access the... See you podcast Patreon. I know you're going to get this right. You go to patreon.com slash. You go to patreon.com slash CU podcast. I uh, di- wasn't actually screwing it up there. Oh. Uh, Pat almost knocked over something on oh, his shelf. Shit. So I just wanted to make sure everything was. My splatter house, man. It was cool. All right. So, yeah, you go there and uh, you see the things that we do. You can pay us some money for them, and it's good. Yeah, it's, first of all, you make it sound like it's a, a business transaction. Ian. No, it's, it's showing support. Ian does his writing. He does, do. a, does a monthly hangout, and you can vote on a, a topic. That's right. So the topic that won this week by 42%, um, are there big differences, Ian, between arcade and console collectors? I'm going to let you start that one off. While I'm chewing, which is going to be great. Why do you keep eating during the podcast? <laughs> Jesus H. Christ. Intermittent fasting, Ian. I don't... Yeah, well... Keep my energy level up. For the fucking love of God. So, I think the big differences between arcade and console collectors would be that there's probably a larger focus on preservation within the arcade scene. Um, and I think with... Uh, I- at least, I think preservation comes more naturally um, when, when you're an arcade collector. Uh, especially if you're an arcade collector who is the type who takes um, the machines to shows. Um puts them on uh, display, uh, you know, wants to have them out there. Um, A lot of times they're going to be restoring them, making sure they're in nice shape, presentable shape, um, because they want them to look good. Uh, It seems that, you know, things like that, um, I can certainly say it about pinball machines. Um, You know, there's there's something to a pinball machine or an arcade machine um, and keeping it in 
great working shape and keeping it looking nice, similar to people who would collect, say, classic or vintage cars. Um, you not only want it running well, you not only want it for the historical value, but to a certain degree, you want to be able to show it off. You, want it, to look, you want it to look nice. Um, you want to keep the value up there. And that inherently is good preservation-wise for the physical object um, because it keeps it, you know, you, you're keeping it in the shape, um, the aesthetic shape that you would have, um, that, that it would have been in uh, when it originally came out. Um, console collecting... I mean, and obviously data is is extremely important. Keeping the the data there, you know, dumping the ROMs, dumping the boards, um, but um, you know, arcade machines. There's arcades and pinball. There is such a there's there's a lot of you know the arcade and pinball experience is 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 there in the machine. You don't necessarily get it all with just the the ROM. So there's something to be said about actually playing the machine and experiencing it with a nice cabinet or a nice machine. Whereas consoles were always about holding a controller and, say, looking at a TV. Um, it's easier to recreate something similar to a console experience using emulation than it is to recreate an arcade experience using something like emulation. Sure. Uh, I think you touched upon it. I think straight up, if you're an arcade collector, you're a preservationist whether you want to be or not. Correct. I mean, you are preserving literal machines that, for some of them, like, for example, a Budweiser Tapper, there can't be more than a couple of hundred that still exist at most. It was nice to play that at Cobra. I Cobra mean, honestly, there might one. be a hundred at most. I mean, one was fucking destroyed at Seaside Park. Right. That original Budweiser Tapper. There's, it's not like you can reorder them. You can't get the parts anymore for this stuff easily. So whether you want to be or not, you're preserving these machines because the upkeep alone is preservation. Uh, monitor, uh, replace, you know, replacing the caps on the monitor, uh, printing out a better overlay uh, so that it's not the original crusty one that's damaged from the arcade in the age with like cigarette burns and kids spilling soda on it, replacing out buttons and micro switches. Uh, you know, maybe there's the marquee's cracked. You have to get a new marquee. So like you said, it's very similar to any other, you know, car collector owner, where you're not just it, your your mission starts once you make the purchase, it doesn't end. If you're a game collector, once I buy, uh, you know, a, a baby boomer from Luna Video Games, two locations in San Diego, that's pretty much it for being a collector. Yeah, you're not spending the next two years working on your baby boomer. <laughs> I mean, I might, might do that Q-tip there, but that's it. I can play it whenever I want, and that that cartridge will probably last a few hundred years without me touching it. You know, those, those NES games that haven't died yet and they're 30 years old. Any arcade game requires upkeep. It eventually does. It's just a matter of when. So even if... It, I, I can almost guarantee... There has to be some arcade games out there that are probably from the 80s that are still, like, never been touched or used. You probably can't turn them on. There's probably something that went wrong with them still. Like, with the monitor. It's possible, Over 30 yeah. years. You know, when you buy them... I know someone that buys uh, arcade machines trying to do a barcade potentially. And sometimes in between turning the machine on when you test it and getting it home, just from moving it, something might have went wrong inside. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That's, something a that little definitely conne happens. A connection gets loose. Something happens. So the big difference is that, is that, yes, if you're an arcade collector, you, you are a preservationist by default. You are keeping them alive. Uh, you're, it, you're not really keeping alive the experience of NES games being an NES collector. Because first, there's a, there's millions of them out there. 
Um, and it's so much easier to replicate that, like you said, versus an arcade or pinball uh, experience. And I think if you're an arcade enthusiast slash collector, like to your point, you want to share that. If you have a, if you have a, if you are, unless you're Jay Leno and have like fucking a hundred cars sitting somewhere, <laughs> if, if you are into restoring classic cars, you're going to show that off. You're going to say, hey, this is how this 1955 car looked. Right. Brand new. There's not a big opportunity to, to see that. Ever. It's very special. The same way with some of these arcade machines. There's a, always at least one machine. I forget the one offhand at, at Game On. There was one arcade machine I don't remember ever seeing in person before. And I was just like, well, I never saw that one before. And that, that still happens at arcades where I'll be like, oh, I never saw that machine before. Yeah. Because there are games that either weren't popular at the time or even popular at the time and got uh, thrown out, got destroyed, or got converted over that you don't find clean examples of it anymore or sometimes even nice examples of so yeah, if you're an, if you're an arcade collector, you're on another level uh, where I think your responsibility is that much more because there aren't as many out there, and I think in general they are shared more through either just barcades, bringing out to conventions, having meetups like SC3, which I've been to in like four or five years. It, it's it's an experience that you're sharing more, I think, when you're an arcade collector versus a console. All right, Q and A time on the CU podcast. This is from at SSB missing Michael Quintana Simon Belmont and Richter being in Smash Brothers Ultimate and how the Castlevania series could be revived on Switch well so with Simon Belmont and Richter uh, Simon being announced Mike Richter? Huh? Mike Richter? I, who's Mike Richter? Rangers goalie Tired oh yeah sorry yes, sorry Lucky Mike Richter Stone Pavel Bori in yes. game 4 Save the whole Stanley Cup Finals. Jesus. Yeah. Anyway, go on. Sorry. You're a Buffalo guy. Um, Who's Mike Richter? <laughs> Last week <laughs> on the 8th, there was a uh, there was a Smash Direct, and uh, Nintendo announced lots of cool stuff. Um, I was fine, by the way, with, with Smash how it was. I, I think it would have been fine as is, but there's more stuff. Yeah. I mean... <laughs> It's it's insane. Over like twenty plus hours of music in that game. Is that is that right? Yeah, like over eight hundred tracks. So multiple tracks per stage. And how can it be that much music? You can just pick the music you want. They added like thirty seven tracks just from Castlevania alone. What are they re-recording in studios night and day? They're gonna get the orchestra going, just cracking the whip, just All right. going second basis. Get out there. So, <laughs> um, so. Uh, Simon, uh, as as rumors had circulated, were correct. Uh, Simon has been, Simon Belmont was at, from Castlevania was added to Smash Brothers Ultimate, and Richter was added as his Echo Fighter. I'm much more happy about Richter than Simon. Um, and people are starting to get a little hopeful, a little excited that this might lead to, um, you know, maybe a revitalization of the Castlevania franchise, which hasn't seen anything in in ages. Uh, I think the, the last thing, last game, Castlevania game we saw was Mercury Steam's uh, sequel to Lord of Shadow and the 3DS one that came out around that same time. Um, uh, there is... 2014 Lords of Shadow 2? Yeah. The last one? Yeah. So there is some precedent for this in a, you know, to a degree. Um, on Nintendo's side, um, you know, they teased Pit with a, a trophy in melee, people mm-hmm. got excited. They added him in um, Brawl. It's playable. Uh, he was in Smash Four. 
uh, but before Smash 4, they uh, so they teased him in Melee, and then they uh, put him in Brawl, and they put out the 3DS game. Sure. They noticed some hype, and he got a game, and he came back. He was put in Bra- uh, back into 4 then. Um, he's been a popular character. People are hoping that maybe we'll continue to get so, more. So it's a reintroduction of these characters yeah. you might have forgotten about. I hate to say, well, I don't know how he's forget about Castlevania, but that's, that's freaking Konami's oh, fault. We'll get We're there. Anything. So, so then, it's a reintroduction to hopefully get a new game. Yeah, so it worked with, you know, they, they reintroduced Pit through Smash. Um, it's hard to forget about Mega Man, but, you know, people do forget that there hadn't been any new Mega Man games in quite some time. They just canceled three of them, so... They, uh, <laughs> like six know. years ago, seven years ago. And then, so, but Mega Man came back uh, for Smash 4. Um... And now we're getting Mega Man 11 from Capcom specifically this year. Mm-hmm. Um, and now we're seeing uh, Simon and Richter. And yeah, I mean, I think it's okay for people who are fans of the, the Castlevania series to get a little excited when they see their favorite characters doing something again um, that's not Pachinko. I mean, it's in an actual game. That's important. Um they're not just being licensed out for you know gambling. They're here in an action game. And with the outpouring of excitement that I've seen already, I would hope I would hope that Konami would see this and at least consider licensing the characters out to someone to do mm-hmm. something um, with them. So yes, I think the switch would be a great home for it, of course. I think the Switch could be a great home for, you know, lots of different games. Um, but, you know, the series got its start on the Nintendo, and uh, we saw how well um, Curse of the Moon did, the the blood-stained uh, 8-bit tie-in game that came out. Uh, everyone loved that. So, you know, maybe we'll see a, a classic-style Castlevania game in the near future if the excitement keeps up. They also announced this Spirits mode, and people are speculating... That has something to do with Luigi getting narked, or she's getting murked in uh, the game where he gets sliced by the Grim Reaper. That's the speculation. Well, Luigi gets killed and Mario got killed in the uh, by the Ridley. Ridley reveal. Yeah. Kind of yeah. dark. Yeah, <laughs> Mario's killing them all off. It was it Nintendo Europe's uh, Twitter account had to show people Luigi's okay. Yep, he's not fucking gone. Um, that was very interesting. So. I guess the speculation whether that that'll be like a single, pl- single player mode or, or what have you. I guess we'll see. Uh, last week's Nintendo Direct also hinted at the appearance of Castlevania's Dracula in Ultimate. Uh, as uh, Dracula is supposed to be a boss, they said that will be a boss that appears under certain conditions. Not, not a single player game? Like, no, like a stage boss. Oh, a stage boss? Like like in all the previous ones, like how the Yellow Devil appears or like how the big mechs would appear. Like okay. the big enemies that appear that you have to contend with. Um, and, oh, they come from the background, I mean. Yeah, yeah and okay. you have to deal with them. And then uh, Alucard is supposed to be an assist trophy. All right. So this is what I'm going to go pie in the sky now, Konami. Konami, you're, you're sitting on a franchise that I interviewed the people at when it was still Hudson Soft, when it was still the B. It was a Bonk game in development. It got pretty far along. What if we put Bonk? What if we tried out Bonk somehow? Just, just, just tried them out. Maybe just as an assist trophy now. I'm not saying it's come out next year. People, no, I think enough people would know who Bonk is. I think it wouldn't be totally left field. I think he's just. I think he's nothing more than an assist trophy. For now. 
I love him. What other attacks does he have besides jumping and dropping his fat head directly below? I don't know. What does Pac-Man have besides munching? And they put him in the game. They, they can figure it out. He has a spin attack. No. Bonk gets the, the fire breath and he gets okay. the cool stuff. That was the That's new game. Fair. The new game was going to have some of that stuff where he gets like the rhinoceros head or whatever. Yeah, yeah, you're right. There's a way to do this. I'm telling you. In the next the next uh, Smash Brothers in 2022, holy shit, when that comes out, we're going to have Bonk in there. That's, that's past prediction. When the CU podcast exists for year nine in four years from now, you come back and you can say Pat was wrong. Probably won't be there in four years, but we'll see. <laughs> <laughs> if I'm still around. All right. So there you have it. All right. I'm, I'm uh, Speaking of Smash, real quick, I, I entered this. <laughs> I entered a Smash 64 tournament. I never did competitive Smash before. Oh, that's right. You did that at the... And uh, boy, were people serious. Oh, yeah. They had their own controllers. I thought it was just for Melee. They had their own controllers for uh, Smash 64. Mm -hmm. I somehow won a game versus someone that was good. Um, I will say this. I don't know much about Smash. I will say this. Based on what, what I saw, the characters aren't that balanced in Smash 64. I guess I think they got better as they went along. I started with Mario, who's supposed to be "quote unquote" a balanced character. I got fucking killed by Ness, and Ness has always been the bane of my existence whenever I play people like uh, Rue and things. Ness is a bad character to contend with. I had to switch it up to Samus, my old main. And then I came back and won. Then got the shit kicked out of me as Mario again. I had I learned I didn't learn my lesson. Uh, I, the second player I played, uh, still in the winners bracket, was a pro. I got waxed. It was stock only three. Which I think was bad because I didn't get a chance to warm up and I'm not a, I haven't played in a while. Alright, so here are the tiers. Okay. Uh, for Smash sixty four as of this year, uh, the tiers are considered uh, Pikachu and Kirby are S tier. I saw people a lot of people using them. A tier, Captain Falcon, Fox and Yoshi. Okay. B tier, Jigglypuff and Mario. And then C tier, Samus, Donkey Kong, Ness, Link, and Luigi. So I did best with Samus. I'm not sure why. I guess it just matched up better with Ness, and then I, I I got I was more effective. So the second game, I got waxed. Like I got it was it was stock uh, three. I got one kill. I was like three zero three one. So he was a pro. So I even said, "How the hell did you get to the losers bracket?" This is how I know how far back I am. Third game, uh, I did better, but I needed more. T- First of all, I should abandon Mario because I I'm not great at Mario. Apparently, I'm better with Samus. And I should abandon him. Went for and went for Samus, and I, I worked my way back, but it wasn't quite enough. I needed more practice. But I won a game, Ian, so be proud of me. Proud and the person, the person that beat me knew who I was. They said, "Well, if I was going to beat by someone, I must have been you." This is from at good old Alan Thompson, regular Nintendo. Hello, Alan. Do either of you believe that the Switch is the perfect arcade port machine? Why or why not? That's like an essay question. Why <laughs> or why not? <laughs> Please use at least three sources. Um, no, I mean I don't believe it's the perfect arcade port machine, but I think it's 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 a great one. Um, I, it's it's not strong enough. It doesn't seem I, I don't think at least to handle certain things. However, I think it's great for a lot of um, '80s and early to mid '90s arcade ports, and certainly great for um, shooters. Uh, mainly just because it has uh, the rotating. Um, monitor for the vertical monitor game stuff, right? And not even just for the you know the the shooters, but you know anything like uh, I mean, for instance, heck, if we could get a port of I don't know Sega's Turbo or oh. um, a lot some of those Nintendo obvious some of the Nintendo games obviously Donkey use Kong, the yeah. vertical monitors, um, Donkey Kong, um, 
But there are lots of games that use different oriented monitors. Galaga Vertical? Uh, I'll look it up right now. Maybe. Um, so, it, Pac-Man is, I think. Yeah. So, Pac-Man. I mean, a lot of these uh, um, arcade games will be able to uh, display nicer in their proper resolution because of this. Um, especially with something like, uh, not to not to sound like uh, an ad, but with something like the Flip Grip coming out that lets you take do this portably and not just on a stand... Um, it's a really neat way to be able to experience these arcade games closer to how they were supposed to be able to be experienced. Um, with the um, Arcade Archive series by Hamster um, doing uh, Neo Geo and other companies, um, you know, and they're on all other systems now, but the reasonable price and the speed at which they're putting out these um, arcade ROMs, especially some of the lesser known ones, yeah, it's a great little machine to carry around if you want to get an arcade game fix in. Uh, I was playing uh, City Connection almost all weekend at Game On Expo, um, which was, you know, a lot of fun, and I've just recently discovered that I absolutely adore Skyskipper. Holy shit, Skyskipper is a ton of fun. You got into it? Oh yeah, I really like okay. Skyskipper. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it's a great machine for arcade ports. I think it will hit its limitation in terms of, you, got, you know, ROMs that it can run well, you got the, super you smoothly. Got those, those collections coming out, the SNK collections coming out, right? Yeah, it, it, like it just seems to be a really good system. Handheld machines have always seemed to be good to me for those sorts of pick-up-and-play well, experiences. And I think this is really where its handheld mode shines through, especially with the, like I said, the rotatable screen. So, in theory, it would be a good machine, but there's not a huge amount of games on it right now. Um, so, I guess we'll, we'll get there. This is an article from June, and there's only, in the Arcade Archives, there's one, two, three, four, five, there's only about 14, 15 games right now. Obviously, they're releasing more all the time. Donkey Kong, Icky, Ten Yard Fight, Terra Crest, or Crazy Climber, Double Dragon, Kid Nicky, Heroic Episode, VS, Super Mario Brothers, Star Force, Punch-Out, Ninja Kid, Moon Patrol, Mario Brothers, we have uh, Skyskipper, obviously. So that doesn't include though all of the ACA Neo Geo releases. Yeah, though. well, I'm getting there, but okay. that to me, that's not enough though for for non Neo Geo titles. There's a ton of Neo Geo ones. So the Neo Geo you have, well, they give they give those out to anyone for whatever reason. For Neo Geo, you have looks like sixty or so, fifty to sixty games. So if you're a Neo Geo fan, this is it for you. But arcade, well, don't forget that not all the shooters are listed under there too. There's okay. has like. CQO has like 10 under a different name, and then there's other shooters that have been released that aren't under the mean, Arcade Archive mean, series. So they're arcade shooters from the day, or you're talking about modern shooters? No, they're okay. arcade shooters from the day okay. that were ported from the 90s. Okay, so those aren't there. No, we'll, there's we'll, there's probably like uh, at least 13 of those. Okay, that's not bad, but we, I was talking about the classic, you know, that's oh. what we want and no one love. Like, where's Popeye? Is that going to get on there? Um how about uh, some Namco games? More Namco games. <laughs> Hopefully, we'll get that. How about a Namco? Oh, there is a Namco. There is a Namco downloadable museum collection. There is. Yeah. Okay. This site's fucking wrong then. Okay. Yeah. There's lots of. There's tons of arcade games. They're just I, not all under ACA. You, and the good news is that with instead of having a four-way joystick, it, it probably works out slightly better to have the the four-button D-pad versus a traditional D-pad for like something like Donkey Kong or Pac-Man. In a lot of the games, it works out pretty well. But for stuff like Sly Spy, yeah, this is not even counting those releases. Stuff like that and, and that you can get. That's what like. I mean. Like, there's there's all sorts. Screw there's, this article. There's shit loads of arcade com. games on there. You're leading me astray. This article. What the fuck? Uh, let's see. What are the Johnny Turbo ones out? You were just looking under. Uh, 
one heading. Jo- yeah, the Johnny Turbo Collection, there's like a bunch of them. Mm-hmm. They put Shootout on there, for example. That was a fun game in the arcade. There's bad dudes. There's, there's, there's tons. Spies. Yeah, Like I said, all those shooters are from like the early to mid-90s, too. Uh, all right, well. Do they have, uh, for any of these games uh, on the Switch that are, you have to just pass your, your your Switch to someone, or can you link up for the arcade games if they both own the game? I, you, I don't think you can link, link up, but the easiest thing to do is just kickstand it or put it on the stand. And so you, this is why Ian's on the podcast. And you just use the two controls. <laughs> I'm an idiot. That's why Ian's on the podcast. So, all right. Uh, last question. This is from Dave. ATQ? Dave? ATG Dave. Dave. Dave asks, people hiring Fortnite coaches for their kids. Oh, it's more of a statement. What do you think about those people hiring Fortnite coaches for their kids? Originally, in all in all transparency, this was going to be a, one of the three topics for the Patreon poll, and it, I thought it might do better. So if, I want to talk about this no matter what. So this is a couple articles, Business Insider, uh, one right here I'm referencing. Parents are paying as much as 35 an hour for Fortnite coaches for their kids. They hope these coaches will lead to college scholarships, esports career, or at least some prize money. College scholarships. They 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 have esports teams now in college. They do. It's a different world, Dean. They had it back in my day. I'd, I'd be like, I'd be in the Rogue Spear team. I guess I don't know. Or Worms Armageddon team. <laughs> no, Worms Armageddon team would be fun. I just saw I got an email that on Good Old Games is it's discounted to like three bucks. Worms Armageddon. We should play that. Uh, so okay. The Wall Street Journal uh, was reporting this originally. They found several parents, several parents who pay private Fortnite Battle Royale coaches to help their child excel at the popular video game. Some quotes. There's pressure not to just play it, but be really good at it, one mother from Winchester, England, told the journal. You can imagine what it was like for him at school. What? Okay, keep going. Parents typically find Fortnite coaches for their children through social media or contracting sites. There are dedicated coaching marketplaces like Gamer Sensei. What the fuck? I didn't know that. Was charged between 15 and 35 an hour for Fortnite lessons. My dad would have never paid for me to take video game lessons. Logan Warner, an 18-year-old Fortnite coach and professional gamer in Utah, told the Wall Street Journal. Oh, my God. All right. A lot to unpack from this. God, this could this could be. This is a sociological lesson uh, we're going to get into here. So we're now at the point of Fortnite where you go to school. In theory, according to the one uh, parent, where if you're not good at the game, you're going to be made fun of by the other kids. If you're if you're too much of a noob, that's kind of scary. I, I really I'm, I'm glad I'm not back in school because I can imagine kids getting pressured, being called names for not playing this game because everyone plays it. I can, I can imagine kids now being bullied for not playing a free to play game on their phone or whatever else. But now, if you're not good at the game. Your 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 friends might come at you. I, I mean, I wouldn't think all kids would be that nasty, but kids are nasty by and large when it comes to some of this stuff, especially in school and group settings. So uh, I weep for us. This this is very disturbing to me. If if a parent feels a need to get their kids coaching on a free to play game, so they're not made fun of potentially, or well, at least to me that would make more sense versus getting your kid coaching in the hopes they're going to get rich off it. Like, like instead of getting your kids like basketball lessons or baseball lessons, like we would do, like you're going to get rich playing esports. That's an awful idea on many levels. I have major concerns with this uh, for that idea. 
Because if the kid even likes the game somewhat, how many parents, and this only is probably millennial parents, are going to push their kids maybe to, to do this like some parents push their... I know a parent that pushed their kid to do all these sports they didn't want to do. At least with that, you're getting out of the house. I can, I'm now picturing a, a harrowing world where kids being forced to play Fortnite inside because their parents want them to be like a, a pro gamer. That's a scary fucking thought to me that we can get to that point where instead of kids pushing their, trying to live vicariously through their children playing basketball or playing football or playing whatever, baseball, now vicariously living through their kids playing fucking video games. That's a scary thought. It's a very scary thought. That you're giving me that look. Am I crazy or is that idea crazy? That's that's not outlandish. Oh, are, this, are, is, are, this is breaking my fucking brain. Are you trying to process that? What is this fucking mayonnaise eating, pearl clutching bullshit? There's pressure not just play. You can imagine what that was like from at school. Oh my god. Oh my god. Just fuck. <laughs> Billy's gonna be fine. He's gonna be fine. He's gonna be okay. Oh my god! You don't think it could happen though? You think kids kids could probably get bullied because of this? Yeah, I yeah. I mean, I got bullied to you know play football and be really good at it. I mean, shit. It's you don't understand the parents' perspective. I, I mean, I I do. I just that- I don't. I don't think there's roving Fortnite gangs. I, oh, Jesus. No, 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 no. I don't think there's roving Fortnite gangs in here. I think I think you're not looking at this the right way. I'm looking at it as on the playground instead of we we play tag outside. Now on the playground they're probably playing Fortnite on their phones. And what if you're in the group? What if you're playing a team game or whatever? Or I can picture kids getting ribbed if they're not good at the game. I can totally picture it. Kids find I, I, I do kids too. Are evil and find. Anything I, I can too to differentiate themselves. From I don't other. think you hire a Fortnite coach to alleviate the problem. Oh no, uh, this is a two two pronged problem. The problem that kids are oh, kids, I can kids, definitely see people being made fun of for kids not are, being good at Fortnite one, because kids are be, assholes. Kids could be evil. Two, the parents are not instilling their kids with the uh, self confidence to say, "Well, fuck those kids. They're not yes, your friends." That's the issue. And that's what. I, that, that's my problem. That's your like, problem. Yeah, don't hire a fucking coach. Tell them that there's fucking more important things to do than be good at Fortnite. Yeah. Play a sport. Do something else that could be productive. Write something. Read yeah. something. Pick up an instrument. Another hobby. Absolutely, yeah. There's go, school play. You know, be a thespian. Find the cool kids and go but smoke weed in the woods. The misguidedness on the other side that you're going to push your kid potentially to be a pro gamer to get a scholarship. Oh, that's even worse. That's disgusting That's gross. Because, like I said, the kid might just even have a passing interest in it. And maybe you see your kid playing it and you, whoa, well, I know this pro game. Picture some, uh, I'm talking about like 30, 40-year-old parents. That are, you, could be, you could be a 25-year-old parent and you have a, you know, a five-year-old. That, oh, they're playing Fortnite. I'm going to think about college and being taken care of. The same way uh, a misguided The adult, modern sports dad. Uh, yeah, an adult might say, well, you know, how, how you know, Tiger Woods' dad put a fucking tape, a crazy glue to a golf club to Tiger Woods' hands when he was like three years old. Picture that mentality. But pushing your kid, and you, you can push your kid into music if they don't want to do it potentially because you have an overbear parent. It could be like fucking child pageants. It could be anything, not just sports. But that same mentality could now be for video games. And that is really bad because now you're taking something that on its surface was just pure fun and escapism. Now you're making it dirty and now you're altering potentially children's lives for the worse. And now, yeah, and, and on top of that, 
at least if you're pushing an instrument, there's some cultural value to an instrument. You're pushing a sport. There's fitness, teamwork. You're pushing a kid to play a fucking game that might even be played three years from now. You're pushing the kids to be good at something that, that maybe they have an interest in video games, but not necessarily that one. You know, at least with a musical instrument, you might be able to choose an instrument you want to do. At least with a at least with a, a sport, maybe you have a choice. Oh, I'll play basketball. I'll play. No, you're playing Fortnite because that's the fucking popular game, Ian. That's the one you're going to play. Basketball is not going to be canceled in two years. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Basketball. It's not going to be a free to play uh, sport that's going to come in and wipe out the four major sports right now. And if you, you know what I mean. It and that's why pro sports to me is weird to begin with because there's a life cycle to you being competitive in that sport based upon what's popular and played. Oh, yeah, we've talked about years. this before. Like. The big sports are big for a reason. They're not going yeah. anywhere. Track and field ain't going to go anytime soon. The Greeks did it naked 2,500 years ago. They're going to be doing it just in the future. Fucking swinging in the breeze. <laughs> it was probably hurt a lot, especially if they did if they did uh, if they did uh, hurdles. Probably was some risk to that. And I think, I think they <laughs> fucking taped up because I mean you got to think about aerodynamics when you get into the the higher. They put the, they put the fig leaf on there and they taped it. They, yeah. they taped that in there. But you see what I mean? I, this is this has hit me hard than I thought thinking about how how parents can be fucking first of all kids can be awful with bullying but how bad parents can be pushing their kids to do shit that isn't a good idea to begin with just some fucking sloppy ass dad with a puffy red gin nose just like <laughs> instead of being the like sports a, instead of being the sports dad bringing the six pack uh, yeah. he's, he's, he's sitting there watching kid, hey, you, you, you get that get that Thanos gauntlet and go to town kid I fucking <laughs> dude I knew too many awful hockey dads when I grew up I, I knew awful baseball dads. My coach was one of my coaches. I won't say who was a fucking drunk. He would show up drunk. Picture that. Picture that great aspect of children's sports applied now to video games potentially. Oh, hockey dads were. I mean, oh, dude, it was just the smell of booze and fucking <laughs> defeat uh, in the but, fucking but bleachers the watching kid, hockey. The games. kids for the kids are supposed to be high in, school hockey. It's supposed games. to be innocent fun for the kids. It's supposed to be oh, this is great. And then parents got to ruin the experience, and now they're going to ruin video games. They're going to make video games unfun for some of these kids. Isn't that just his heart? Isn't that like just break your heart now? Seven-year-old just wants to play Fortnite and have fun. Oh, we, it's like piano lessons. we got to take you two to four on Tuesdays, Sonny. You're going to get those Fortnite lessons. But I just want to... Uh, nope. You're going to get those pro Fortnite lessons. We're paying someone $35 an hour. Enjoy, bucko. You said bucko before on the podcast. Buck up. You said bucko. I will it's a buck up kid, but yeah, it's it's good. It's good. Bucko, yeah. <laughs> buck that that that. That's a good sound. All right, anything else? This depressing, more depressing we thought topic. This will be the most depressing topic I think we've ever spoken about because children are involved, being both terrible on one side and innocent creatures on the other, having their lives potentially ruined. Get a collar scholarship playing Fortnite. Yeah, that's going to be feasible for anyone out there. Ian, Ian looks so depressed. I, I I broke Ian on this topic. Ian this is a lot sadder than I Isn't thought. Isn't this a sad fucking... Well, first of all, it's a sad... I think you need a license. You shouldn't need a license to be a parent, first of all. I always maintain that. You should have it renewed, you know, every like 10 years. Make sure mm. you're not... Or every five years, you're not in a fucking nut case. All right, we're going over your... Okay, you're feeding your kids. You're getting clothes. Good education. What, what's this on here? You're, you're paying for Fortnite. You're paying for Fortnite lessons for your child hmm. we're gonna take custody uh, of your children unfortunately that's, that's no <laughs> one should ever be allowed to have kids ever again <laughs> ever, ever again it's children of men we're gonna have no children ever again no children ever again <laughs> all right so the earth is gonna end uh, humanity wise next hundred years we're gonna be gone
Oh, those babies born today are going to have such a peaceful adult life. <laughs> All right. Well, that's it, Ian, for this uh, economical one hour, 30 minute about CU podcast. We, we steamrolled these this time out. Man, if it was like this, I could do this almost every week. <laughs> it was like, it's, yeah. Is there any extra topic you want to you throw in? Or, or no, are you good? No, I'm good. You're too depressed now? I'm Yeah, I'm depressed and tired and sad. And <laughs> I'm going to go home and just fall into my bed for an hour and then get up and write. And Again, uh, I'll be eat at... meat. Eat meat? Yeah. I went to this great yakitori place last night. What is yakitori again? It's the grilled... It's the Japanese meat that's grilled on coals. Ooh. And they, they did a bunch of it. They had, like, uh... I did, like, uh... They had, a uh, Beef with, uh... With radish and uh, chicken thigh with, with, with green onion, and they had all sorts of good stuff. You could do grilled garlic, and where was that at? Uh, this is uh, down on Convoy. Convoy, all the Asian places are so good. Well, thanks for inviting me. Uh, that's it for this CU podcast. <laughs> I'll be at uh, at three conventions in September. Three? Three in September. It's, it's like old. Oh, that's right. You're doing a video game con, you're doing Retro World Expo Week 4 and Retro Balloon. <laughs> That's why I'll see Norm again. I haven't seen Norm all year. Losers. And then uh, Portland Metro Gaming Expo will be at in mid-October. UltimateSNES.com, not UltimateSNES.com. If you want to order a Super Nintendo, I'll pre-order, sneeze. pre-order a certain SNES guidebook. And uh, yeah, I think that's it. Uh, didn't have to, we didn't say limited at all during the podcast. So, <laughs> uh, so that's Ian Ferguson. Ow. That's me. And this has been a weird podcast, but uh, I'm okay with that. It's been fine. We'll see. We'll see. You, we'll see you later. Bye. <laughs>